You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am C. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. And, of course, I will answer as many questions as I can. So the weather is finally getting cold. Like, it's really getting cold outside. And I know across the country there's snow. I keep checking my weather reports. You know, my wife says a little early, but we want to make sure there's a lot of snow in northern Michigan. And it looks like they just had about seven inches. So that's a good start, but it's only November. So uh, it's cold outside, but toasty inside the studios here at Streamcast Detroit. And I'm Streamcast. Anyways, the kids are learning. Kids are in school. We're here to talk some Torah. And before we get rolling, we like to remind all our dedicated listeners, I know you guys love the show, and I need your help. Let's help the show grow and spread and take care of these beautiful uh, facilities. And just go to my homepage. Hit that donate button. Leave your name. I'll give you a shout out. You want a memory of or happy birthday. And of course, in advance, I do thank you. So we're up to the Torah portion of Chaye Sarah. Called the life of Sarah. But really, really, um, Sarah, Abraham's wife, has died. Uh, but we're going to just back it up a little bit. So my son asked. He says, why did Abraham need 10 tests? What's, what's this whole deal of 10 tests? And certainly according to many, when Abraham was thrown into that fiery furnace, that doesn't even count as a test. So what do we need all these tests for? So the rabbi says to him, the fiery furnace, that was to make Abraham into Abraham. We call him Avram Avinu, to make him into Abraham, our father, the beginning of the Jewish people. He needed to throw himself or be thrown into a fiery furnace um, to show his belief in God. As far as the ten tests go, the rabbi told him the ten tests weren't so much for Abraham as much as they were for us. As you have to look at Abraham as the paver. He sets the path. And by passing those ten tests we now have an easier time walking down the path. The rabbi says to him, sort of in a joking manner, but, you know, I was talking with my kids. I'm not sure it's such a joke. He says, when your parents were in school, if they had a test and they came home with a bad mark, oh, who knows what could have happened to them. They could have been sent to their room. They could have gotten uh, a patch. They could have been disciplined. Who knows what. He says, your parents made it easy for you because you know what happens now when you come home and you didn't dwell on a test? Your parents say, it's okay. I'm sure you'll do better next time. And he's laughing, and I'm laughing, and it's true. It's almost like, you know, the parents, earlier generations had their way of working things through, 
and we're just way, way gentler and nicer to our children. It's an interesting thought. In any case, so what does that have to do with this week's Torah portion? So this week's Torah portion, we're going to discuss the death of Sarah. Even though, again, it is interesting, the language of the verse, the verse says that it's the life of Sarah. Now, not to be confused when you go to a funeral and people say, we're not here to cry over the person who died. We're here to celebrate life. Um, no. We should be there to cry. That's what we're going to see with Abraham. The per- we're going to cry about the amazing life the person lived and everything we have now lost. That I get if you can, if you can talk to me. And you can tell me what kind of wonderful person this person was. A great parent, a good friend, a charitable person, a person who served God. We go ahead and pick how this person affected my life. How there's now a a void because this special person is not here. You got me. Don't tell me how the person, you know, uh, was mean to the waiters if they didn't serve him food or her food properly and didn't give a tip. Don't tell me how they had to pack 12 boxes and uh, yell at people to get them shipped properly down to Florida. That doesn't do anything for me, which I tell you. And if I was that person, I'd be awfully embarrassed. Right? you got to talk to me. Tell me what I lost. That's what it's about. We're going to talk about the life of sorrow. Now there's what to cry because we lost this great person and that level of spirituality is gone and all the good things she was doing is now gone. Someone has to fill the place. Like how many times do we see someone disappears or dies or leaves a company and all of a sudden we need three people to replace the one, okay? Right, I got it. This person ran all these different organizations and and helped so many people and... And we need a whole slew of people to take over. Okay. Now now I'm getting a picture. This is something worth crying over. Okay, so that's, that's, oh, so very good. But what does it have to do with the 10 tests? So we've talked about it in the past. The, the, it, it almost looks like in the story, if you look at the Medrash, that the, the evil inclination got Sarah to find out that Isaac was about to be killed, about to be sacrificed. And this is her only son, and she's already 127 years old. And she sees it, and she and he almost gets killed, and she dies. Sounds like she died from shock. But there's a problem with this. In other words, the job of the evil inclination is to test us, to make us better. Right? They become better... When I when when there's friction, right? People talk about this all the time. When there's friction, I become better, right? When you make something difficult, when I have to pass a test, when I have to do something that's out of my comfort zone, I become a better person. So Abraham is is passing the final test, the binding of Isaac, and this will be something that will protect the Jewish people, f- pretty much forever. We use it in our prayers on the high holidays. So it's an evil inclination lost. So now he's, he's upset that he lost to Abraham, so he gets his wife killed. That's ridiculous. So the commentaries explain 
that this was really part of the test, as what will happen. She was supposed to die now. This was a time that Sarah was scheduled to die. She wasn't living any longer. But the evil inclination can make it look like she dies because Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac. So what if Abraham would say, if only I would have known that Sarah would have taken it this way, I never would have done it. If the if the Satan, right, if the Satan can get Abraham to say that or think it, it will tarnish the test that Abraham passed. And we don't want any tarnish on this beautiful mitzvah that Abraham fulfilled. So every time I think about this, it always reminds me, a friend of mine, um, he used to give me, um, he was like a baby product supplier for Kmart. For those who know of Kmart, who heard of Kmart, if they have a few stores left, I'm not even sure. Certainly where I live, there's none left. Somebody told me there's like one, I think, in driving distance. But uh, Kmart is gone. His whole business really was supplying Kmart. Yes, he didn't really have any other customers. He may have had a few but really, really, his whole business was dependent on Kmart. Kmart disappears, he's out of a job. He was a very philanthropic person. So he didn't just, you know, build up all his money to have a humongous nest egg. He wanted to give charity. So, uh, again, don't cry for him. He has a lot of money in the bank. He is well taken care of. But he's not as wealthy as he would have been. So I asked him, do you feel bad right, that you gave all this charity? He says, absolutely not. And my friends ask me all the time, don't you feel bad? And I tell them I do not regret anything I did. Which is amazing. I explained to him, I told him about this Torah portion. And I told him, I said, that's how we have to do good. We don't tarnish our good deeds by saying... In Hebrew, we say having charata, right? Feeling bad that I did something. Never feel bad when you did something good. That's like the evil inclination's final try. If you did something really amazing, some fantastic act of kindness, so the Sutton is right there, the evil inclination is right there to somehow get you to have some regret. Because if he can get you to regret it, <laughs> you just tarnished that beautiful, exquisite mitzvah that you had done. So it says, Sarah lived to 127. Um, actually, there's a famous, it was a joke, I guess, Rabbi Akiva um, wanted to wake up some of his students. I guess they were tired, time to study, and they weren't focused. So he said, it says, Sarah lived 127 years because each day of her life, as she was doing mitzvos, she was building cities because she lived 127 years, and Queen Esther, in the time of Ahasuerus, rules over 127 cities. So Sarah does a good deed. Now she has another hamlet, another village. Now it becomes a city. Now it becomes a country. So Rabbi Akiva, it, uh, joke or no joke, Rabbi Akiva said it to wake up his students. But Sarah lives 127 years. It's a very interesting verse. The verse says she lives 100 years and 20 years and seven years, instead of just saying the number is 127 years, it separates each um, each category, 100, 
20 and 7, it, it separates them with the word year. So Rashi asks, why? Like, it's a famous question, like, just say 127, what? not 100 years and 20 years and 7 years. So Rashi says, hundred. when she was 100, it was like she was 20, and when she was 20, it was like she was 7. But that, now we take it a step further. Rashi explains, when she was 100, her sins were like she was a 20-year-old. And when she was 20, her beauty was like a 7-year-old. Now, I think most people would rather it that when she was 100, she was pretty like 20, and when she was 20, her sins were like a 7-year-old. That almost would make more sense because a 7-year-old's done nothing wrong, and uh, and a 20-year-old is where there's more beauty. What's the beauty of a 7-year-old? So there's different answers to why Rashi says it this way, but I found one that I like. So it's from Reb Moshe. He says like this. Um, even though the courts can punish someone once they're bar or bas mitzvah, meaning a girl 12, a boy 13, but for heavenly punishments, you have to actually be 20. To deserve a heavenly punishment, the person cannot receive a heavenly punishment until the person is actually 20 years old. So when she's 100, she's like 20. There's no heavenly punishments that are coming her way. Great. What's 20? She was pretty at 20, like 7. So he says, very interesting. Think about it. If you have little kids at home, or you know little children, when you see a 7-year-old child, so how do you look at the child? When they do good things, you praise them. And when they do something wrong, when they do something wrong, you don't even notice it. They're 7. They're, they're little kids. A 7-year-old? Seven 7-year-old doesn't do anything wrong. They did something wrong. You yell at them. You, you have them clean up the mess. You have them fix it, and you move on with life. In other words, when, when we look at a seven-year-old, we say everything is good about this person. Not pretty. Rash doesn't mean pretty, pretty like in, 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 in their outward look. We don't care. The Torah does not care about somebody's external beauty. No, that's not 100% true because in this week's Torah portion, we talk about Rebecca and the Torah does tell me she was pretty, but really, really, pretty as far as the Torah is concerned is inner beauty, meaning this person is a good, wonderful person. So a seven-year-old is always good. What's to say about a seven-year-old? Because they bother you, because they get under your skin, they're seven years old, nobody cares, right? So seven is all good, and the not good stuff, nobody cares about so we're saying when she was 20, she's like seven, meaning everything she does, everybody looks at it that she's good. Okay. So now let's move a little bit ahead. Okay, so we've talked about how old she is. Abraham comes back and discovers that she has, that Sarah has died. He has to bury her. And uh, first we're going to talk about, so it says, it doesn't say he cried a lot, but he, he makes a eulogy and he cries. So, a very interesting, I saw, there's a, a sefer called the Mavra Yabok. He says, as I started the show with, right, the purpose of the eulogy is to get people to cry, because that actually opens up the gates of heaven to help this person get into heaven. And as we said, we're crying, so obviously, we're, it can't be we're crying for physical stuff. 
right? We're crying over a spiritual loss. And that's why we're sad when a person passes away. And so Abraham is going to be crying for Sarah's deeds. So it happens to be in many synagogues this week, um, they're going to talk about cremation. And there are people that say it's better for the environment. We have to care about the environment. If we just bury bodies, where are we going to put everybody? And it's very expensive. It's better we just put the person in ashes, spread the ashes out, or keep the ashes on uh, on your, um, I, don't know, I guess, over your fireplace or something. And that's what people do. And that really is a terrible tragedy. The Torah does not want cremation. It doesn't want it. Cremation is just a terrible, terrible thing. First reason it's a terrible thing is because you imagine, because we're alive, that when a person is no longer alive, the body doesn't feel pain. It's not true. Even after a person is dead, the soul feels the pain of the body. An autopsy is done, body feels, the soul feels it. And it's embarrassing to the soul. And so we believe there's a, a person and a soul. Yeah, if you believe that there's no soul, then yeah, so who cares? Just a piece of meat. So barbecue it, right? But if you understand that there's a soul and the soul has a tremendous connection to the body, which is why people go to a cemetery, right? If you don't believe in a soul, right? So what are you going to the cemetery for? It, it, it's just the dump where you dump the piece of meat. Must be. If you're going to the cemetery, you recognize that there was a soul here and there's a connection. And the soul is connected to the body. And even when a person dies, the soul is still connected to the body. Now, the most righteous, they, the soul really separates almost completely, if not completely. The greatest of the great, it separates completely. And then for most souls, they need like a period of a year to completely separate from the body. Because the body and the soul, this is what the person was in this world. We are a body and soul together. That's what we were. The soul is now being separating. It's going up to heaven. It's going to get its reward. It's going to hang out with God. But there's this connection down to this world that the soul has with the body. So what do you think the soul is thinking, feeling, when it watches you burn its body to a crisp? It, it, you, you just severed, or at least you're trying to. I don't know if it really works. But you are severing the soul's connection down to this world. That becomes a terrible tragedy. And a second thought, by the way, is, again, if you're Jewish, right, that's what the Nazis did. Right? The Nazis in Germany, in the Holocaust, they burned the bodies. Right? Bad enough, you want to kill everybody. And now there's, now you can't even honor the body. Right? We don't want to leave anything behind. There should be no remembrance no, nothing, right? I mean, again, think about it on a different extreme, right? People talk about if somebody is lost and they're looking for the body or they're looking for a soldier who was lost at war and they, they want the remains to be brought home and they want to give closure, right? You think somebody wants to hear that the body was burnt to a crisp? No, they want a body to bury because that's what a body and soul wants and needs. And to go ahead 
and not actually bury the body becomes a terrible tragedy. Okay, but the music is playing. Hope you like this short and sweet. Thank you, of course, for all wonderful sponsors. Listen, you know, I can't do it without you. Thank you, the wonderful production team. We have Andy in the back. I mean, Alan in the back. I'm sorry, wrong name. We got Alan today. I've been living food for thought. Until next time, I'm Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toy and our streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.